chapter 23, we'd like to read responsibly this morning, verses 38 through 43. Allow me to begin reading in verse number 38. Now we'll read the succeeding odd or even numbered verses. Would you please read with me verse 39 and the succeeding odd numbered verses through verse 43. Once again, that's Luke chapter 23, verses 38 through 43, and reading responsibly. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the male factors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Remember me, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you take these words that are very familiar to many a veteran Christian, and speak to our hearts afresh and anew once again. Lord, speak to hearts of those that maybe are hearing this for the first time. But Lord, do a work of grace in all of our hearts as we have the preaching of thy word, what I believe is our most important time of our week. Lord, as we pray that you'd be honored and glorified in all that's said and done within the ears of the hearers of this message, we pray. Pray for our children downstairs as well. Prayer blessing on them as well. Well, thank you for what you're going to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Look forward to the day when we get back to having a choir. We had a choir for over 30 years, 34 years, something like that, and like to have a choir again someday. Lord Terry's in his coming. But we're in Luke chapter 23 for the second Sunday in a row. The seven sayings of Christ, a drop of an ocean of truth compressed into a drop of speech. Lord willing, we'll preach next Sunday on Father, forgive, rather, uh, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? The crest of Calvary. We'll preach on that one word, those three words in English. It is finished. Two weeks from today on Palm Sunday, the word of triumph. And then, of course, those last words of Christ on the cross. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. The victor's cry of faith is the plan. Look forward as we march towards uh, Resurrection Sunday. The world knows it is Easter Sunday, but us Christians know it is Resurrection Sunday. This is a special day of the 365 years, or 365 days, rather, of the the year. This is the shortest day of the year, of course. It's also a time change Sunday, of course, which is obviously a downer for attendances across America. It was an upper in October, but it's a downer in, in uh, springtime as we lose an hour of sleep, and some people are taking advantage of that. But I'm glad you're here this morning. And we preached last week on, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus is first saying on the cross, we preached a message entitled, Who Gets Forgiveness? Our text verse is very famous to most everyone in this room here, but I draw your attention to it once again. As Jesus said to the thief when he asked the question in verse 42, Lord, remember me, or he gave the request rather. Verse 43, And Jesus said unto him, Verily, of a truth, or of a certainty, I say unto thee, Today, today, Thou shalt be with me 
in paradise. What a difference a day can make. We look forward to the fact, and I've been looking forward to this for about 50 years, ever since I heard the truth of the rapture of the church. We shall be caught away, all those that are in Christ Jesus, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. One day there's coming a day when Christians will be resurrected, raptured without death, will be taken away in the skies, and it'll be, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. We look forward to it. We sing many songs that the world laughs and mocks, at the, and they make fun of the farce of the rapture, pardon the language. But one day Jesus is going to come in the clouds. He's going to catch his bride away. And then there's going to be a day of ruination and a day of retribution on this earth. It's called the seven years of tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble. It'll be a day of delusion. For this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, the gospel. They'll be required to take a mark of the beast in their forehead or in their, their right hand. You say, oh, that'll never happen. Really? Well, those that believe in Jesus and the word of God, we know that one day this day of the day of coming Antichrist will come, but I'm not planning on being here for that day. It'll be a day of delusion. It'll be a day of damnation, inflaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a difference a day makes. That this could be the dawning of that grand and glorious day. This could be the day of rapture. Or this could be the day of ruin and retribution for those left behind. The Bible says that, speaking about days in Psalm 90, verse 10, the days of our years are three score and ten. That's... 70, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, George, that's 80. <laughs> it is our strength, labor, and sorrow, and we are soon cut off, and we fly away. I did the math, counting leap years. And, uh, that's if you live to be 80 years of age, you live 29,220 days. 29,220 days. You ask a preacher, what did you do yesterday? I already forgot. Uh, last week I forgot, last month I forgot. Many days are not days of remembrance, and many days are not days of destiny per se. But I want you to know that in 29,220 days, if I'm graced enough to live that long, I don't know if I want to, but that's another story. I'm praying for the rapture. But uh, that only in my life, and I can only speak for myself and wave introduction this morning as we talk about the, the word today and Luke 23 and verse number 43. Jesus said, today. Today could be a day of destiny in your life. I've only had three or four or five days of destiny in my life. Let me give you a chronicle, just a few. It was a day of destiny when in 1981 in August, I walked out the side entrance door to the altar of the Fellowship Baptist Church. And I walked across the aisle and I stood with my bride. I said those words, I do, I I was so nervous, I didn't even know I was nervous, I was so nervous, people said my, my legs were literally, they could see me quivering from the pulpit. Because I knew when I said I do, it was done. And I, it's been 40 years now, and my life changed that day when I went to that altar. And it's changed, in my case, for the good, for the best, and uh, so forth, and I'll come back to that in a minute here. But that was a day of destiny in my life. I've often thought, what would my life would be if I didn't marry Sonny? And I wanted to have kids, and I wanted to have my, my, my three girls, I'm going to have 14 grandkids, there were a lot of things I could think about. It was a day of destiny, a day of, it was a game changer, a life changer for me. I'm talking about myself for now for a moment here. It was a day of destiny for me, the day I walked out that altar, onto that altar at, at Fellowship Baptist Church in Iowa. 
was another day of destiny in the spring of 1976 for me. As a senior in high school, 17-year-old senior, I was destined to go into the Marine Corps, Brother George, let me pick on you, fellow Marine, because where I grew up at, all real men went to the Marines, of course. And so that was my plan in the, since I was, I think, in ninth grade or so. My buddies all went into the Marines, and I was supposed to go into the Marines. And a preacher, an old man, came to the New Line Baptist Church and preached on a Sunday night in early, actually late winter, uh, maybe February, I guess it was, maybe March of 1976. And he said, every young person ought to go to Bible college for one year. And he used the Mormons as an illustration, how the Mormons... Their, their kids all give two years of service to their false god. And, uh, and, and on a whim, just on a whim, I just, as soon as he said that, it just clicked in my mind. That makes sense. I don't want to be a preacher, but I think I'll go to one year of Bible college. And a few weeks later, three weeks later, I was in Wisconsin visiting Maranatha College where I went to college at. And I said on a whim that day, I'm going to go to college for one year. And as they say, the rest is history. Another day of destiny in my mind was, in my life, was my freshman year in late November. I've told the story many times, but I can see in my mind's eye the cold night in the parking lot of Fellowship Baptist Church in, 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 uh, in uh, Waterloo, Wisconsin, and uh, sitting out in the parking lot in a cold car all by myself, looking up at the stars and feeling the call of God in my life. And I said, I volunteered to the Lord I surrendered to the preaching of the word of God, of course, and how uh, my life has changed and my course is set as a 19-year-old kid, 18-year-old kid for the rest of my life here, some 45 years later. So these are, I've had some days of destiny in my life. I want you to think of some days of destiny in your life. I want you to consider, if you could, for a few moments here as we meditate and peruse on the two male factors found in our text, our two thieves, Kerr, Kerr, Agacos, I think as you say it right, as we get a nasty word from that. I won't tell you. You ask me after the service, I might tell you what it is. That's a slang word. But these Kerigakos, uh, they're evildoers, they're criminals, they're rebels, they're robbers. And they also were executed with Jesus, one on the right hand and one on the left. But I would surmise with you this morning, I think it's important to understand that these two male factors, in their short earthly lives, we don't know if they were 20 Maybe they were still in their teens. Maybe they were in their 30s or 40s. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But in their short, short earthly days, they had some days of destiny, decision days in their life that determined their destiny. And so I want to give you number one, two, three this morning here. And this, this, this decision, I like that phrase. Decision determines destiny. Say that with me. Decision determines destiny. And I want to give you the first decision that, that at one point in their, time in their life, these two male factors evidently made. They, they came to a decision of who they were. Or you need to come to a decision in your life of who you are. Uh, letter A on our worksheet, there's no, there's no fill in the blank. I am a, you fill in the blank. Think about it for a moment. Who are you this morning? Let's go back to the male factors. What would they say? These thieves, these robbers, these maybe murderers, these people that are getting executed by crucifixion. I think they, they, if I could supply an answer for them, I think they would say, I'm a Jew. And I'm a, pardon my language here, I'm a blank proud one too. I think they died as Jews 
that were very thankful that we know they were Roman citizens for sure, but Romans crucifixion was not reserved for Romans or for only for non-Romans as well. But there are different Jews, types of Jews. At least five different types of Jews real fast. You had your Pharisees or your religious crowd, your scribes. But Lucio talked about the scribes and Pharisees this morning in Sunday school. You had your Sadducees. Those are your secular Jews. Those who didn't believe in the resurrection. They were, the, they were all about government and so forth. And you had your, your publicans and your, they, they were your worthless Jews. They were your tax collectors and the folks that didn't want to just, uh, uh, they were very secular and very worldly Jews. They weren't practicing Jews by all, any means. Then you had your Herodians, those were the middle-of-the-road crowd. Those were the ones that, hey, let's, let's appease, let's get along with government that we can get it, go along to get along. And uh, let's, we're Jews, but we'll, we'll play with the Roman government too and we'll, we'll succumb to their demands. And then you had, so you had the Pharisees, you had the Sadducees, you had the scribes, you had the Herodians, but then you had the Zealots. There is little doubt, in fact, there's really no doubt in my estimated opinion, that these two Jews, these two Male factors, these two criminals, they were zealots. They probably joined the band of Barabbas. And they, 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 they were, if they had a motto, it would probably be something like this. I'd rather die for something than live for nothing. Once upon a time in our country, there's people that were willing to die for things rather than die for something rather than live for nothing. In Coventry, Connecticut, I've still not been to the house, but I've told the, said the story many times in 22-year-old Nathan Hale, uh, Harvard-educated, went to Harvard when he was 14 years old, graduated at 18, had many famous classmates, by the way. And we could spend several minutes telling you the, the life, life of Nathan Hale, but he had to make a decision in 1775. That decision was he was going to join up with the Patriot Band, the Continental Army, George Washington's army, going to be one of the three percenters, one of the rebels. He was going to fight... And uh, you know the rest of the story, most of you. He joined up as a spy for the Continental Army, and of course he was captured and summarily summoned to New York City. There's a street corner in New York City, downtown Manhattan area, that you can go, and I've never been there, but I understand it's right there. There's a marker where 22-year-old on September 22nd, 1776, Nathan Hale was hung. Before he was hung, his last words were, I only regret that I have but one life to live for my country. And so... When I think about these male factors and who they were, they were loyal. They understood loyalty. Aren't you glad that God, Jesus Christ, understands loyalty? He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We call that eternal security. Once saved, always saved. Once you're in Christ, you can never be out of Christ because he never leaves or forsakes his own. And loyalty is lost trait. Patriotism is gone by the wayside. Uh, love of country. I wrote down in my blank, your blank may be different. I wrote down in my blank, I'm an American. That's what I wrote down. I, I love this country. I, and I said it in past tense. It just came out a Freudian slip there for a moment here. I'm not pleased where our country's going, where our country's gone. I'm not sure if we have a country. I've said that several times here in the last several weeks here, of course. But I, patriotism is still in vogue for me. I love this country, and I, I, love, I love my family. Now, you won't be able to fill this blank in, but I'm a shot. What a lousy last name, by the way. I mean, I got stuck with this name, Shot. I have two brothers. My two brothers have one sister between them. They have no, or no one daughter between them. They have no, my other brother had no kids. And so the Shot name is going to die out. That may be a blessing, a blessing, I suppose. I don't know. But I don't want to disgrace the name of Shot. 
If I was uh, a backman, I wouldn't want to disgrace the name of backman as I look at Bob here, or a Kai, or you go through the list here, a Dayfield, whatever. I wouldn't want to disgrace the name because the name means something. There's loyalty. What are you this morning? We, we, we use a good dose, a good uh, uh, injection of loyalty in our country and in our Christianity for sure. Loyalty of God, country, and, and to our families. But I want to give you a letter B. When we're asking the question of who these Jews were, these, these malefactors were, they, were, they might say, I'm a Jew. I'm a zealot. I'm willing to die for my country. I'm willing to die for my people. That's how loyal they were. You've got to give them credit for something. But I put down letter B and addressing the question, the decision of who I am. I am a child of God. I wasn't born as a child of God. I had to be born again into his family. He must be born again, Jesus said. I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. Used to be old statistics, probably 20 years old now, but 73% of America said they were Christians. Say they're Christians. I think the number is way down now. Probably around 50% or thereabouts. But that's of every ism and schism of Christianity, of, of, of Protestant, Catholic, and everything in between, and Baptist, and uh, nominal. But our, I'm a real Christian. These guys said, when they asked the question, maybe in their teenage years, and I'm surmising here, they said, when they got in their groups, they got in their clubs and so forth, they said, uh, I want to see the overthrow of the Roman government. I want to see the Jews rise to the top of the, the, the proverbial ladder again. I want to see a, the king be a Jewish king. And they said, somebody probably said to him, well, then prove it. And at some point they said, I'll prove it. I'll join the guerrilla band. I'll, I'll join Barabbas' band. I'll give my life for the cause. How about you? And so they Soldiers of Christ arise, the songwriter said. Who are you this morning? I, let me just preach for a second. I've been just going through my notes here, but just, I'm preaching to the green right now, to the empty pews, so you're not, you just can listen along. But there's a lot of people not in the house of God, not because of that C word that I can't even stand. And people are not in the house of God because they've got an excuse. It's awfully quiet, I know. I've given an excuse for 15 months, and I'll continue to give an excuse for people with high morbidity or comorbidities, as they're called, and our senior citizens. I've given that excuse for 15, 13 months, and I'll continue to do that. But there are some people that are using this for an escape. If you can't go to the house of God, but you can go to Home Depot, you've got a problem. If you can go to the, can't go to the house of God, but you can go to a stop and shop, you've got a problem. And that was good preaching, Marty Shot. And all God's people said, amen. I'll just pat myself on the back. Thank you very much. And we need time to get back to the house of God. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. And so I've been, I'm going to start pumping away for people to get back in the house of God and come to Easter Res- Resurrection Sunday, great Sunday to get back in the house of God. But who are you this morning? Well, I can say that I'm an American. I'm a shot. I love my family. I'm going to stay loyal to my family because God taught me loyalty because he's a loyal God to me. I'm going to be loyal to my country because blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and people put their trust in him and pray for my Jerusalem and pray for my country, pray for my people. I'm going to, if need be, die for my people. I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. 
But a second question, the decision rather that determines destiny is not only the decision of who you are, but the decision of how, how, now that you know who you are, how are you going to live? And I have an A and a B. I'll get there in a moment. But back to these male factors. They said, well, I'm going to show that I'm a zealot. I'm going to show that I'm loyal to the Jewish ethnicity and Jewish nation by joining the guerrilla band of Barabbas and fight against the Romans. And at some point in your life, I'm looking at our teenagers here. Just all you teenagers, look me in the eye. I can't get looking in the eye. You're a blur anyhow. No, actually, I got, I got bifocals now. I just got them this last week, so I can see you when I look down properly. But uh, if I don't look down, you people with glasses, you know what I'm talking about. It's, uh, still getting used to this thing here. But you young people, wherever you're at, there comes a point in your life and time and decision in your life when you literally or at least subliminally choose how you're going to live your life. Joshua said this way, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The song said, only one life to offer. Only one life till soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Just to have one life. You only go around once in life, so go for all the gusto you can get, the beer commercial says. Or said, I should say. Decision how you're going to live. You've got to make a choice. I have an A and a B. I had to change my A and B because I had an M, M alliteration going. I'll tell you my, I'll give you my V right now here. Letter A, who in my choice of how I'm going to live, who will I vow to? I had, who will I marry? But not everybody gets married. Not everybody's supposed to be married. Jesus was single. I'd last, you know, many of his, Paul, we think, could have been single. We don't know. Probably not, but... Not everybody's intended to be married. But I already gave the illustration of making that holy vow. We used to call it holy matrimony. Remember those days? When we said I do and it was done. And I, as I drive towards that negative D word, and some of you already know what I'm talking about, I know it's very sensitive and I be careful. And I, don't, I can't even look at anybody because everybody's affected by it. Some of you, first time... I'm referring to that divorce word. What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 22, whoso findeth the wife findeth the good thing and obtaineth the favor of the Lord. Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is honorable in all. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 6 that we should not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with righteousness, unrighteousness. To put it mildly, this is good teaching right now, marriage is a life changer. I couldn't see 40 years ago at that altar in Marshalltown, Iowa. I couldn't see Torrington, Connecticut or New Hartford, Connecticut. I didn't even know that the places existed. I couldn't see Harvest Baptist Church. It didn't exist. Obviously, I couldn't see you. I couldn't even see my kids. A little sensitive, a little awkward to say. But uh, I couldn't see three kids. I couldn't see 14 grandchildren. A lot of things I couldn't see. A lot of things you couldn't see when you made a vow. 
But oh, how that vow changes your life and the trajectory of your life and changes for a long time to come, for in eternity. You see, this decision that we're about ready to see here in our text changed eternity. This is a day of destiny, March 14th, 2021, if you'll let it be. 23-hour day, day like no other day of the year. This could be a, a destiny day for you of your 29,220 if you live to be 80. So I asked the question, first of all, this morning, or secondly, I guess I should say, how will you live your life and who will you vow to? Will you get married? Maybe you vow to, to, to be single and be a, be a soldier of the Lord and remain single for your life. And there's nothing noble about that. It's nothing bad about that. But marriage and who you vow to will change the trajectory, I can't say the word, of your life for not only your earthly lifetime, but for the lifetimes to come and for an eternity. Then I ask letter B, what will be my, and I want you to personalize these points here this morning, what will be my vocation in life? Let me just run a pet peeve of mine, a rabbit trail. I never liked... I thank God that I was called to be a preacher of the gospel. I thank God for that. There's a calling, and God called me to be a pastor, not a marine, not a draftsman, whatever. God called me to be a pastor, and I followed that calling. But not every Christian is called to be a pastor. What if we were all pastors in this room? What a chaos we'd have right now. Everybody talking, I'll be talking all at once, we'd all be yelling at each other. No, we're not all called to be pastors. We're not all called to be, we call you a missionary. Brother Lucio calls himself a pastor. But we think you're a missionary because you're a foreigner. <laughs> not everybody's supposed to be an evangelist to be right with God. You might have a vocation. I'm picking on a lot of people this morning. here. I picked on Bob already. So Bob works in a, he's a tool and die. He's a, he's a machinist. He's been doing that for many years. Very faithful. Uh, Brother George, I'm picking on people. You only pick on people that you love. Brother George is, is uh, driving a bus, a bu- bus driver uh, in his old age now. <laughs> Still driving a bus. That's his occupation. My occupation in one sense is that I'm a pastor. My vocation, my life's calling is that I'm a Christian. I'm to glorify God. I don't care what your occupation is, your, your vocation should be to glorify the Lord and whatsoever you do in word and deed, do all to the glory of Christ. I don't care, I said it many times, you guys really, in the factory, in the, the office setting, in the, the hospital, wherever you work at, you're the frontline soldiers for Jesus Christ. I usually, we usually get the best of the crop here in my sanctified office this past week. It's almost humorous here, but uh, Lucio, Brother Lucio and I were in the office and somebody came in and they didn't mean no harm. They just they didn't know any better. They're not saved. They're not regenerated. And they started, they come into my back office and they're using foul language, not Lord's name in vain, but the, those other salty words that we would think is very, very naughty words, very bad words, and they are. And at a certain point, Brother Lucio piped up and very kindly said, please don't use those words. And uh, it just fired up the person all the more. They just used it all the more. And uh, and I, 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 of course, I had a heads up. I knew the person and so forth. And, and I just realized that's who they are. But uh, we don't get that very much. We get the best of the, 
uh, I get to sit back in my office and uh, when people talk to me, they usually are in their best behavior most of the time. I don't think that happens on Monday morning when you go to work at the hospital or where the insurance agency or wherever you go to work at. You're on the front lines. Part of the slang. They don't give a rip, most of you. I don't know if that's bad or not, but they don't, whether you're a Christian or not. They don't care. In fact, they'll rub it in your face. But you've got to choose who's, who, who you are this morning. You've got to come to a decision at work that my vocation, my life calling is to glorify Jesus Christ. My life calling may be to go to this place of work, but I, I, I'm a Christian before I'm an, I'm an employee of anybody here. And certainly we should work hard. But uh, how are you going to live your life? Some are going to, and this is not on the worksheet, obviously, sub, my subpoints. So many people are mindless in how they're going to live their life. They're, in other words, clueless. They don't think about it. Some are messy. They're crude, they're callous, they're carnal. Some are misled, many are misled. They're connived easily, they're deceived. But some are moved to make their life matter. We sang the song last week, I think it was, in Sunday night service, when you count the ones who love the Lord, count me, count me. There needs to come a point in time in your life, a punctiliar, I like that word, punctiliar, a punctiliar point in time of your life where you say, I'm going to live for the Lord. I'm going to make my life count. I'm not going to live mindless, messy, or misled anymore. I'm going to be moved to make my life count for the master and make my life matter. That leads me to this third scenario, and then we'll look at three Three days of destiny, real quickly, in the moments that we have left. But how are you going to live your life? Decision determines destiny. Decision of who you are. You got to get that down first. Decision of how you're going to live your life. But then just as these two thieves and everybody on the planet Earth throughout time, there must be a third decision of what will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Verse 39 of our text. And one of the male factors, when you think about this, this is really amazing. He's being executed. His hands are spiked to a tree. His feet are spiked. He's been whipped, no doubt, as well, probably not as mad as Lord Jesus. He reviled, he spit, and he was trying to die a man, but he was no doubt cursing and so forth. And he railed on the preceding verses with the crowd. Verse 35, I think it alludes to. Verse 36 as well, but we'll get to verse 39. And one of the male factors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. I want you to notice that some people decide to do with Christ, they mock him. They mock him. How many, sad, pathetic to say it this way, not millions, not hundreds of millions, how many billions of times, son, this Shortest day of the year, March 14th, around the world, 2021. Will the name of Jesus Christ be uttered in blasphemy? Will be mocked, making fun of it. You notice how Hollywood always makes fun of Christianity and true Christians and Lord Jesus Christ. They do it over and over and over again. They hate, they hate Christ. Here's this man, he's dying on the cross. They, they, he's still hating Jesus. He's still mocking Jesus. It's almost fitting if it wasn't so pathetic. You live your life, someone has said it this way, if you don't live right, you can't die right. This guy, this malefactor, he died the same way he lived. 
in mockery. Loyalty to the Jews, loyalty to his people, loyalty to maybe an earthly king that could overthrow the Roman government, but not to a spiritual king that wanted to save you from your sins. We've heard the joyful song, Jesus saves. We say that to people and we tell people that you've got to be born again, you've got to be saved, and they mock, they laugh. Born again from what? I've been born, of, I had a preacher mock and laugh, and God is my witness. I, I haven't used this in a long time, but a preacher right in Torrington, or rather, excuse me, well, let me get real specific, it's just us. New Hartford, Connecticut. I sat down and I said to him in his office, churches you pass all the time. I said, what about being born again? <laughs> he laughed, he hit his knee and he said, son, I had a hard enough time being born the first time. I'm not worried about no second time. He was schooling me. He was educating this young preacher. I was 30 years my senior. He's been in hell for several years now. Here's this mocker. What will you do with Jesus? Some mock. But many, letter B, I think it's the majority opinion, many ignore him. John chapter 18, verse 38. Pilate said, I find no fault in him. John chapter 19, verse 4. Pilate said, I find no fault in him. John chapter 19, verse 6. For the third time, like Peter's three confessions, or, or he said, I find no fault in him. Then later on in Matthew's gospel, it's recorded that a bowl of base, basin of water is taken out of the judgment hall. Pilate washes his hands and he says, I'm innocent from the blood of this man. He even looked for a scapegoat. We know the story. We'll come back to Barabbas in a moment. But he said, I'll just ignore him. I don't want to deal with him. Most people don't want to deal with Jesus Christ. The song said, Jesus is standing in Pilate's hall, friendless, forsaken, betrayed by all. Hearken what meaneth the sudden call. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Neutral, you cannot be. One day your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? The religion of Satan, the religion of the devil, is found in Genesis, James chapter 2, verse 19. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. You can believe in one God. You can believe in Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son. You can believe in that. But the Bible says, James 2, 19, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils believe also and tremble. As long as you don't come to Christ, the devil's religion is that of procrastination. Jesus said, you must be born again. You must say, I do. And so the decision of what you would do with Jesus, some, in 39, one thief mocked him. Pilate ignored him, tried to ignore him. The devil wants to have you procrastinate coming to Christ. But we get to verse 40, and I want you to notice that one decided to receive him. But the other, verse 40, answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God? Hey, there's America's problem right there in a nutshell. We don't fear God any longer. Dost thou not fear God? Seest thou art in the same condemnation? You're going to die. We're going to die. And we indeed justly, the wages of sin is death. He knew it 30 years before the verse was ever written. The wages of sin is death. We shall receive, for we shall receive the due reward of our deeds. 
But this man has done nothing amiss. He's done nothing wrong. He's perfect. He's sinless. And he said unto Jesus, he turned and he said, Lord, how much theological training, by the way, did this thief have, you think? How many days of Bible college did he go to? I think nada. Zero. How many church services, how many synagogues did he attend? I think he was a proverbial bad boy. I don't think he went. I don't think he knew much of the law. Maybe he knew a little bit of the Tanakh, or the Pentateuch, maybe the law, the Torah. But I kind of doubt it. He says, this man has done nothing amiss. But then he said, Lord, remember me. Thou comest into thy kingdom. I became a Christian, not because I went to the Assembly of God Church in Austinburg, Ohio, when I was a little boy. Not because I went to the New Lyme Baptist Church in New Lyme, Ohio. And I started to go to vacation Bible school as I was taken there as a little child, learned my first verses. I became a Christian when I came to a revival service, and that didn't make me a Christian. And I sat in the second row and I told the story many times. The preacher gave the invitation and he preached a message on hell. We never preach on hell any longer. And for that 11-year-old boy, that preacher preached on hell and I came forward. Still didn't make me a Christian. I went back to the back office with the preacher after the service. That didn't make me a Christian. The preacher explained Christianity to me and being saved and born again. That didn't make me a Christian until the light bulb went on. And that preacher told me that I needed to receive a call upon Jesus to be my savior. And I need to cry out to him and ask him to remember me. And I prayed that sinner's prayer. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Come into my heart and save me. That was the day I said I do to Jesus Christ. I received him. But as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. There needs to come a point in time in your life. This is what's wrong with Protestantism. It's wrong with much of Catholicism as well. That we've always been Christians since we were christened and baptized as a baby and and catechized and confirmed and christened and all, the, all those other C words. No, you need to be, come to Christ and be changed. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You need to receive him as Savior. That's what that thief did on the cross. He said, Lord, remember me. He already confessed he was a sinner. He already confessed that Jesus was the Lord. He said he's done nothing amiss. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And the Lord said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And that leads me to three, quickly now, three days of destiny. How did these two thieves live? How long did they live? Were they 20s and their 20s and maybe still teens, maybe, maybe 30s? We don't know. I have a question for you before we ask the question of day of destiny. How many more days will you live? Can anybody answer that question? I didn't think so. How many more days will I live? I don't know. You don't know either. This could be the dawning of the day of, the day of rapture. But that day they were caught, and maybe it was just a week before or a month before or probably just a few days before they were caught robbing and thieving and maybe murdering a Roman soldier. We don't know exactly. But the execution was given, and very shortly there, their follower, Barabbas, he's let go. They said, the crowd said, give us Barabbas a few hours before this event. They said, crucify him and crucify Jesus. But his followers, Barabbas' followers, they didn't get away so easily. 
they went to the execution. And that leads me to a, a day of destiny for sure that everybody's going to have. That is the day of death to the body. The day of death to the body. Up here in this box right here. This is Slim Abbott. Brother Abbott. We were supposed to bury him up there at the pavilion. We, we, we dug a hole. That we had. The problem is we hid concrete about six inches lower. We got to get a jackhammer. I keep saying, because Mrs. Abbott is still alive. It's been six plus years now, almost seven years. Brother Abbott's been on my back shelf. This is what's left of him. As good a Christian as Harvest Baptist Church ever had. This is his body. From ashes to ashes, dust to dust. From the earth we came, from the earth we returned thither. David said, I go the way of all the earth. Hebrews 9, 27, and it's appointed man who wants to die, but after this is judgment. We're having a day of destiny, every one of you. I don't want to spoil your day. You say, man, I came to the 23-hour day service in the, uh, on the shortest day of the year, and the preacher told me I was going to die. Well, barring the rapture, we're going to be in a small box or a big box, one or the other. Guaranteed. Because that's what happens to the body. But Jesus said to this thief that said, remember me, his body would collapse and his body would die. They probably threw their bodies into the garbage, into Gehenna probably, into the fires, just into the trash yard, the local dump. Let the birds of the air take care of it. The body goes. It's a day of destiny. This body's going to go. But then there's a day, secondly, a day of departure for the soul. The Lord said succinctly, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. This is a succinct refutation against the false doctrine of soul sleep that many churches falsely teach. The idea that we die and then we're in the grave and how many times have I ever heard it at funerals, of Protestant funerals and Catholic funerals again, both? That there will be a day of resurrection someday. My Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul said, I have a desire, and I'm a straight betwixt two, to having a desire to depart or to, to be with you and remain, and I'm paraphrasing, or to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Not the body. I've said it many times. You folks that are as old as I am and older, you can really relate to this. The older I get, the more I, listen, I don't want my body anyhow. It's, I want it to go anyhow. I don't want to take the body to heaven. I want a new body. There's a day of departure, a day of death, of destiny for my body. That's going to happen. There's a day of departure of the soul. Then thirdly, quickly, I told Tim we'd be on by 1130. It's 1136. A day... A third day, and it could be today, a day of decision like this thief on the cross in the spirit. His soul was going to live forever, is living forever. It's been living in paradise for nearly 2,000 years. The other thief, his soul's been living forever in a place called hell for the last 2,000 years. But in the one, one malefactor's decision or spirit, he made a decision. 
He said, I, well, I want you to, and he called upon Christ to save him from his sins. Nothing can be more truer than the fact that decision determines destiny. Now, humor me, one, we're almost done in just an illustration. How many, I started off with the illustration of me and Sonny getting married. How many of you believe that we're married? Raise your hand. How, well, how many believe we're lying about it? <laughs> yeah, well, that should raise. We got a marriage certificate buried in the archives somewhere, and I got a memory, and I got many, many people that were there. We got married. I did say I do, and it was done. Now, I can only testify. I got saved in that preacher's office. There was a date and time. I can't tell you the night. I can't tell you the, the day of the month it was. And I think it was a Friday night. I can't tell you the day, day or even the year, but I could guesstimate. But I know whom I believed in. I know I got saved that day. And your second birth date is far more important than your first birth date. It would be better if you'd never been born than to be born and not be born again. When is your day of decision when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? I'd like to think I'm preaching to the proverbial choir that everyone here has been saved, but that would be foolish of me to think that way. Maybe there's one or two or three or four people still within the confines of this voice you need to make a day decision today to receive Christ as Savior. But maybe more majority for most of us here, today could be a day of destiny. I close with the final illustration here. I'm tortured by the fact that I've gone through churchology, I call it. That I've gone through the science of churchism, church, church ecology, if you want to use the phrase. I know the low days of the year. I know the high days of the year. This spring, Chime Change Sunday, is one of the five low days of the year. Every preacher knows this. I knew for a fact yesterday when I made my calling post call that a lot of people wouldn't be in church today because they can't miss their extra hour of sleep. I'm just being honest. This is not a bad crowd considering it's Time Change Sunday. But see, people made a decision yesterday. I'm not going to go to bed an hour early. I'm going to sleep in. I'll just be another day. In fact, it'll be a sleep-in day. It'll be an easy day. But I think you made a decision yesterday. I think you did, at least hopefully, mostly consciously, maybe subliminally. You said, I'm going to come to the house of God tomorrow. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate that. <laughs> decision determines destiny. And destiny is determined by one step at a time, volitionally making a decision. The day of destiny is coming for a day of death is coming to the body. Day of departure is coming to the soul, either in heaven forever and ever or in hell forever and ever. But today is a day of decision, a day when I say, Lord, I'm going to serve you afresh and anew. I'm going to serve you. I've you saved me. I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. But I'm going to start serving you like I should. I've decided to follow Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I pray for Christians this morning especially, which I firmly believe is the majority of people that I've been preaching to for the last 40 minutes. But Lord, maybe there's someone here today that doesn't have an actual birth date of being born again. Lord, they're just, you're just a prayer away. You'll hear them like you heard the thief on the cross if they just come and call out to Christ. They can be saved right now, Lord, in these few seconds by just saying, Lord, remember me. Save me. I know I'm a sinner. I ask that, Lord, you cleanse me of my sins and be my Savior. 
I trust you and you only to be my Savior right now. Lord, they can be saved by a simple, heartfelt prayer. Thank you for that. And Lord, you say, just as you said to the thief, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Today. Lord, today could be a day of destiny for Christians. Lord, maybe we've been playing around. Maybe this Christians that have been messing around, mindless, uh, just not thinking that things matter. Today we confess that, Lord, it matters for we, how we serve you. Lord, help us to serve you with a pure heart, fervently blessed in the moment of invitation. We pray in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. As we stand together, let's take our hymn book and turn to page, I believe it's.